This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> she probably trademarked that phrase, so um, I may just edit that out. Hey, everybody. Nikki Young here. Welcome back to episode three of my new true crime podcast, Serial Napper. Tonight, I'm bringing it back to Japan. I've gotten a lot of really great feedback from you guys, and from what I've heard, you love talk talking about the Lucy Blackman case. Um, and of course, where I'm living in Tokyo, it means all of these cases coming out of Japan are incredibly close to my heart, and I feel really lucky to be able to share it with you guys. So before we get started with tonight's episode, I want to ask you, have you guys seen my amazing new podcast cover art? <laughs> I need to give the absolute biggest shout out to Linda Doyle. She created this incredible concept for me. And I mean, I am over the moon with how it turned out. If you're needing any artwork done, like if you have a podcast or you need a banner for your Facebook, something really unique and customized, I highly recommend chatting with Linda. I found her on the website Fiverr, and um, I've linked her page over on my Facebook page. So um, as a reminder, in case you've forgotten, you can find my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Serial Napper. And that's Serial with an S-E-R-I-A-L, Napper, N-A-P-P-E-R. So next thing I want to chat about is a little giveaway I have going on until the end of April. I know things are kind of stressful right now. Everyone's going a little bit stir crazy at home. Um, so I wanted to do something a little bit fun that I hope you'll like. Uh, a few days ago, I was looking for a fun true crime related subscription box because I'm a little bit obsessed with subscription boxes in general. I love getting little surprises in the mail, and obviously I'm obsessed with true crime. So I found Killing Time. It's a true crime subscription box, and it looks totally badass. 
Um, when I first checked out their website, they didn't ship to Japan, so I had to quickly email them and beg them, pretty, pretty, pretty please ship to Japan, and now they do. So I have one coming to me, and I thought, why not give one away to one of my new listeners? So make sure you check out all of the details of that on my Facebook page. I have an announcement uh, on the, the Facebook page, and it's pinned to the top of the page so that you should be able to find it fairly easily. Okay, I'm going to take a breather. <laughs> we really have a lot to cover tonight. This is the story of another foreign young woman living in Japan who unfortunately was a little bit too trusting and met an untimely demise here in Tokyo. I first learned about this case when I was reading about the Lucy Blackman case a year ago, and I couldn't believe this was real life. This is the story of Lindsay Hawker, a 22-year-old born and raised in England who came to Japan to teach English as a second language. Now, if you're not a foreigner currently living in Japan, you might not be aware of just how common of a job this is here. Foreign folks come from all over the globe to teach English in Japan. It's an incredible opportunity that's often taken by the younger crowd, and it allows them to live and work in Japan while having the proper visas with them. Lindsay was the second born of three daughters. She had an older sister named Lisa, who was three years older than her, and her youngest sister was Louise, two years younger than her. Lindsay came from a very tight-knit family in a very small town. She was always quite popular and truly embraced all that life had to offer. She was also incredibly smart and an excellent student in school. Lindsay was really going places and had a really bright future ahead of her. Lindsay Hawker had studied biology at the University of Leeds, where she achieved a first-class honors degree graduating in 2006. Although she planned to pursue a master's degree at some point, she decided to teach English for a year abroad in Japan starting in October 2006 at the Koiwa Tokyo branch of NOVA, which at the time was Japan's largest private English conversation school. She really just wanted to see the world before settling down into her career. I mean, who wouldn't? Living and working in Tokyo, Lindsay absolutely loved Japan and the incredible experience she was able to have. She took advantage of everything this place has to offer, much like I have done before the coronavirus shut down the world. She traveled the country, she did all of the sightseeing and all of the cultural experiences. She was young, carefree, and greatly enjoyed her time here. If I hadn't have gotten married and had children at such a young age, I mean, I wasn't that young, but, you know, this is definitely something I would have done. I've met so many wonderful English teachers since moving to Japan, most who are committed to living so far from their families simply for the experience that it comes with. I mean, there aren't too many opportunities that hop right into your lap that allow you to live comfortably in such a lavish city like Tokyo. I can imagine it would have taken Lindsay a bit of time to adjust to the big life in Tokyo. She came from a very small town, and Tokyo will quite literally take the breath away of even the most seasoned travelers. 
Honestly, I've been here about a year and a half, and I still breathe quite quickly when I'm out in the bustling streets of Shibuya and Shinjuku. Lindsay lived with two other foreign female teachers and kept in close contact with her family back home, including her boyfriend Ryan, who had been with her for four years. She must have felt quite lonely to be in such a big city by herself, so far from home, but the couple made plans for him to come visit her in Japan, and at the very least, it gave her something to look forward to. That's not to say that she wasn't enjoying her time in Japan, but... It really can be a lonely city among millions of other people that live here. It's easy to get swallowed up. In the meantime, while she planned and waited a visit with Ryan, she focused much of her time on work. She used to ride her bike to the closest station, which was Nishi Funabashi Station, and hop on the Tozai line each morning to get to work. This is quite common practice in Tokyo. Many people use a combination of biking, trains, and a ton of walking to commute to work each morning. One night, on her long journey home from work, Lindsay was approached by a man named Tatsuya Ichihashi while she was on the train. Ichihashi approached her with a bit of an odd question that surprised her. He asked Lindsay if she was his English teacher. Lindsay answered that she wasn't sure and tried to casually walk away while getting off the train and finding her bicycle to get home. He followed her, trying to chat her up any way possible. She tried to defuse the situation by acting casually, and honestly, she felt a bit sorry for him. Maybe he was confused. Maybe he wasn't mentally all there. She didn't know, but she didn't want to further evoke him by doing anything rash. Ichibashi followed along as Lindsay cycled home and asked for a glass of water when they arrived in front of her house. Weird, right? I try putting myself in her shoes, and what's kind of scary is that most women can. We've all had those really awkward, tense situations where something feels really off, but we can't tell if we're being overly cautious or if we just need to approach the situation with kindness. Being the person that Lindsay was, she approached with kindness. She let him come in and she gave him a glass of water, but she wasn't stupid. She made sure that both of her roommates were home before allowing him in and made sure that they both saw who he was and what was going on, just in case anything were to happen. Once inside, Ichihashi drew a picture of her, and he even signed it with his name, his email address, and his telephone number. He asked her for a private English lesson, offering to pay her for her time. The pair agreed to meet for an English lesson at a cafe four days later. At least it would be public, so she felt safe. In an email message to her boyfriend Ryan, she mentioned the incident that had happened because, truthfully, it had shaken her up a little bit. She likely just needed to get it off her chest. She reassured him that it was probably fine and she would be meeting Ichihashi in public next time. It was just one of those crazy little things that can sometimes happen in Japan. Let's stop there for a second. So firstly, I don't want anyone thinking I have any sort of fear or hatred for Japan because 
This is one of my favorite countries in the whole world besides Canada. It's very, very safe. Like, I have never felt more safe in a city, even in Canada. But as a young female in a city like Tokyo, things really are quite different. Speaking from my own experience, because that's all I can really speak to, a creepy guy in Canada might catcall you, shout out obscenities, follow you, trying to get your phone number. But here in Japan, most people are the highest level of polite. So even if a guy were to try to hit on you or harass you, most times you would assume he's just a little bit socially awkward, not a total creep. So when Lindsay brushed it off and agreed to meet him to teach him English, you have to understand that the circumstances are probably much different than anything that you might experience in North America. She really had no idea what fate awaited her. On March 24th, 2007, as planned, Lindsay met with Ichihashi in a cafe in the east end of Tokyo. It felt safe. I mean, it was a public cafe. A ton of people were around. What could go wrong? They sat down together and Lindsay delivered her lesson. Everything went off without a hitch. But when it was time to pay, Ichihashi regretfully informed her that he had forgotten his money at home. He offered to pay for the pair to get a cab to his apartment. He would run up, grab the cash, bring it down and Lindsay could carry on to her destination. In fact, his apartment was only a few hundred yards away from the cafe, so it really wouldn't take too long. Lindsay agreed, and when they arrived at Ichihashi's apartment, both of them went to retrieve the money. However, Lindsay asked the cab driver to wait for her a moment, as she'd be right back. She wasn't staying, just getting something and heading home in the cab. Seven minutes after Ichihashi and Lindsay went to grab the money, the cab driver decided they had waited too long and left. That would be the first of many unfortunate events to unfold. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The next day, Lindsay didn't show up for work. She didn't show up the day after that either, and so her employer called her family to see where she was. This, of course, alarmed Lindsay's family, as she wasn't the type to just not show up for work. In fact, she hadn't been in contact with them either, and she used to email, Skype, and telephone call everyone to maintain contact with her family just about every day, so this was highly unusual. On March 26, 2007, Lindsay Hawker was officially a missing person in the eyes of the Japanese police. This was two days after her encounter with Ichihashi at the cafe. Lindsay's father and boyfriend Ryan began to make plans to travel to Japan to find out what the hell had happened to Lindsay. Much like the story of Lucy, it's incredibly difficult to find a loved one in a foreign land when you're so far away and when there is a massive language barrier. I'm going to play a short clip from an interview that Lindsay's dad, Bill, gave while she was still missing and he was searching for her in Tokyo. It's a bit tough to listen to, but I think it's important. And just keep in mind, these things really can happen anywhere to anyone. As a father, I am so proud of her. To travel all this way to teach. I'm in this I'm <laughs> 
I've had a very fruitful meeting with the Japanese police and I thank them for their efforts and I hope they will continue to keep the good work up and eventually get a successful result in this case. Japanese police began their investigation quickly. They took this case very seriously, and they began by talking to her roommates who told them about the encounter with Ichihashi. When the police searched Lindsay's room, they found the picture that Ichihashi had drawn of Lindsay, along with his telephone number and email. They were lucky to have a lead to investigate, and they knew the first place they had to start. Okay, guys, shit is about to get crazy. I freaking love Japan beyond belief, but some of the things you hear happening in Japan, you're like, what the hell? This is one of those cases. Two officers were dispatched to Ichihashi's apartment. They reached it at 5.40 p.m., but they were not permitted to knock without proper cause. The officers noticed somebody in the apartment, even though no light was visible, and reported it back to the commander. They also called for backup and waited, and within the next hour, seven more officers arrived. Two hours after the nine officers had assembled outside of his apartment, Ichihashi left the apartment barefoot, wearing a rucksack. He knew that the police were there for him, and he just wasn't having any of it. He was the last person that had been with Lindsay, and he knew they wanted answers. He tried to run away from the officers, but one officer grabbed his rucksack. Unfortunately, by some weird, crazy, magical skill, Ichihashi escaped his grasp and continued to flee. The rucksack was later found to contain gym clothes, which police believe he was going to wash or try to conceal. There was also a significant amount of cash, so clearly he was planning to run away for some time. Now, I have no idea why. Maybe it was the times or lack of funds. I don't know. But none of the officers had radios, so the officers on the fourth floor where his apartment was located could not alert those on the ground that he was headed straight for them. Ichihashi eluded the officers by vaulting the last few feet of the stairway to the ground. The manhunt was on, and later, police rediscovered him in the city wearing a pair of athletic shoes. They shouted at him to stop, but he escaped again by zigzagging through the streets. Now, I will tell you that the amount of side roads, alleys, backways here is nuts. So even though the police went full force, there are so many places one can escape to in Tokyo. Now, let's take a second. I'm going to give you a trigger warning here. I assume if you're listening to this podcast, then you're going to be okay with the information, but um, the things I'm going to be describing are a little bit yucky. So here we go. When police entered Ichihashi's apartment, they found a treasure trove of evidence. Lindsay Hawker's naked body was found buried in a bathtub filled with a mixture of compost soil and sand on the apartment's balcony. She had been brutally raped and murdered. She had been bound and gagged with plastic ties and scarves, with one of her hands lying outside of the mixture. 
Upon further investigation, police found that she had been subjected to a prolonged attack, and unfortunately, she did not die quickly and painlessly. Police said the egg-sized bruises on the left side of her face appeared to have been inflicted with a fist, while lesser marks on her upper body resulted from collisions with furniture. Hawker had died when her assailant began strangling her and broke the cartilage in her neck. Hawker's head was shaved after she was killed, and her possessions were found strewn across the room. Ichihashi had actually buried the body in a mixture of sand and compost soil, then sprayed it with a substance used to compact and decompose waste. Obviously living in a small apartment like many do in Tokyo, he was afraid that his neighbors might smell the decay, and so he was trying to avoid that as long as possible. It's believed that he planned to either bury the body in concrete or wait until it had completely decomposed. Ichihashi had bought the materials over the course of six visits to his local hardware store in the hours leading up to the arrival of the police on March 26th. Police suspect that between Sunday night and early Monday morning, Ichihashi had moved his bathtub from the bathroom, where it was obviously originally located, to the balcony and put Hawker's body into it. Neighbors also said that they heard the sounds of something striking metal and something being dragged during that time. Obviously, he used the balcony again to try to mask the smell of a decaying body. Shortly after the discovery of Lindsay's body, March 27th, Lindsay's dad and boyfriend arrived to take Lindsay's body back to the UK. I can imagine it would have been incredibly traumatic to see her bruised and battered body with a shaved head when she usually had his beautiful, long, browned locks. On March 29th, detectives removed a shopping trolley in which Ishihashi is believed to have transported the bags of horticulture soil he used to bury Hawker from his apartment building. That same day, 20 police officers raided Hotel Chateau which is a love hotel, but they didn't find Ichihashi. And if you're not familiar with love hotels, think about the cheap motels you see on the side of the road that charge by the hour. It's the same kind of thing, except love hotels are generally accepted by Japanese society. Police released a new wanted poster of Ichihashi, which included an enhanced image of the suspect disguised as a woman. They had learned that he may have been trying to change his appearance to hide from police. His face was basically plastered anywhere and everywhere. However, the case seemed to go cold. There weren't really any leads as to where he might be. Now, let's take a second to talk about the prime suspect because he is quite an interesting character. And the things he did while he was on the run are quite unusual. Tatsuya was born on January 5th, 1979. He grew up in Chiba Prefecture, which is just east of Tokyo. His mother was a dentist and his father was a medical doctor, so the family was quite well off. After graduating from the Department of Horticulture at Chiba University in 2005, Ichihashi did not work and he pretty much lived off of mommy and daddy, 
with a monthly allowance of about $760 US at that time. Ichihashi was 28 years old at the time that he was suspected of the murder of Lindsay Hawker. He had no previous convictions, but he had been the subject of an allegation of theft and injury six years before Hawker's death. He had allegedly assaulted a woman on the street during a robbery, but the matter had been settled outside of court. Ichihashi had been in a stable, year-long relationship with a Japanese woman at the time of Hawker's killing. In fact, she spent a ton of time at his apartment, and the night before Lindsay's murder, the two had a big fight, and she actually fled the apartment. The next day, when she showed up hoping to patch things up with Ichihashi, she saw the police were at his apartment and was basically like, oh shit. I mean, I don't know if she actually said oh shit, but I can imagine it went a little something like that. Police described Ichihashi as a loner with an obsession for physical fitness. He regularly attended a gym and he, he was known to cycle 25 kilometers a day. The darker side of him also had an interest in violent manga. Okay, back to the case, which seemed to have gone cold. While Lindsay's parents pleaded to Japanese media that anyone with information regarding the murder of Lindsay or the whereabouts of Ichihashi come forward, things were very quiet. On the 26th of June, 2009, the Japanese National Police Agency raised the cash reward for information leading to Ichihashi's arrest from 1 million to 10 million. Now that's yen, so that's a little bit less than 10000 to $100,000. On the 4th of November, 2009, police finally had a breakthrough. There was a reason that Ichihashi kept eluding police. He had changed his appearance. Ichihashi had undergone plastic surgery on the 24th of October at a clinic in Nagoya where he had his nose uplifted. Prior to this surgery, he had also had two moles on his cheek removed and he added a fold to his eyelids thinned both lips, and increased the height of his nose. I'm going to post some photos on my Facebook page of Ichihashi before and after the plastic surgery, and uh, it's, it's pretty crazy how different he looks in both photos. Like, he doesn't even look like the same person. In my personal opinion, it's an absolute miracle that anyone spotted him and connected him to the case like, at all. On November 10th, 2009, Ichihashi was captured in Osaka while trying to board a ferry to Okinawa. And, ma, guess what? He claimed innocent, doesn't everyone? He was initially charged with abandoning a body and served two more warrants for rape and murder. This was all after he spent two and a half years on the run before being arrested in November, which completely blows my mind. On December 23rd, one of his lawyers announced that he had acknowledged that he was involved in Hawker's death, finally, but that he had not intended to kill her and had attempted artificial resuscitation. So 
Of course, basically a bunch of excuses, right? I mean, it's not like he followed her back to her apartment and lured poor Lindsay back to his place or anything, right? While on the run, Ichihashi was such a narcissist that he wrote a book about his whole experience being on the run from police. And since his story involved Lindsay Hawker, (laughs) he offered to give the proceeds to Lindsay's family. As you can imagine, they declined such a thing. One of the craziest things Ichihashi talks about in his book is how he had actually performed a ton of his plastic surgery on himself. In the book, which he wrote from jail, he reveals how he cut his lower lip with scissors, yeah, scissors, to thin it out and used a knife to remove the moles off of his left cheek. He even used needle and thread to sew his nose, and obviously, after botching much of this, he had the smart idea to visit a surgeon who raised the bridge on his nose and cut double folds into his eyelids to make him look a little more western. In court, Ichihashi admitted to suffocating Hawker to prevent her from screaming for help while he raped her. He claimed that while he did not intend to kill her, he was responsible for her death. On July 21, 2011, the Chiba District Court sentenced Ichihashi to life imprisonment for the murder of Hawker. The Hawker family had requested the death penalty, but the court felt the death penalty was inappropriate because Ichihashi had no previous convictions and, at the age of 32, they felt there was still a chance he could be rehabilitated. He was, however, given life. While Japan still does have the death penalty, it's basically unheard of to give the death penalty to someone who has only committed one murder, like Ichihashi. It seems to be reserved for the worst of the worst of the worst serial killers. In this case, I'm not really sure such a person could ever be rehabilitated. But what I do know is this is a tragic case that I could see happening right in front of my eyes without ever really noticing. I mean, I see foreign women, young women approached on a daily basis. And in fact, it's it's happened to me at train stations. And it's not just a Japan. It's it's everywhere. I mean, women, when we get approached, we don't want to offend anyone for the most part. And so we play kind, we play nice so as to not escalate the situation. And in Lindsay's case, this this really just, it, it, it made things so much worse and it, it ended in her demise. So here goes. Here is my permission to you as a woman. Do not worry about offending anyone. Follow that female intuition that you have. It's there as a safety feature and it really could save your life. It's a fight or flight response that you absolutely must acknowledge during those times that you feel it. (sighs) That's it for the case, which basically broke my heart because I think it's just, it's something that so many women who feel the need to be kind under any cost can relate to. So, please, please, please take care of yourself. 
and each other. And if you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash serial napper. That's serial with an S E R I A L napper, N A P P E R. Or if you're on Apple, you can just search for my podcast by name, Serial Napper. Or on Spotify, and you don't need a premium for this, you can also just search Serial Napper and I should come right up. So until next time, I love you lots and um, I can't wait to hear what you think. Stay safe. Bye. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order.